Welcome everyone. Wednesday night, episode number 19 of So What's Been Happening. Uh, this one's going to be an exciting one. Um, down the beach at the moment. Uh, how's this? Glasses fogging up. Fantastic, isn't it? Great start to the night. Uh, I'd like to bring on a couple of good mates of mine. Berkey, how are you, mate? Ripper, I'm really good. As Thanks for having me, mate. No problem. Good to have you back, mate. I know you've had a couple of weeks off out looking at gigs and stuff. It's great to have you back. So here's another good mate of ours, Glenn. How are you, Glenn? G'day, Berkey. G'day, Al. Great to see you, boys. Good to see you, boys. Good to see you, boys. What's uh, What has been happening? Just give us a very quick rundown, Glenn. What's your last couple of days look like? Uh, back at work. So caught up with you guys at a great gig on Sunday night, Dave Cosma. Um, then back at work Monday, Tuesday, batching. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Family back home Friday, I think. Look out. So it's, uh, cheese sandwiches, no doubt, for lunch. <laughs> cheese and veggie, mate. Saladas. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. What about you, Berkey? Ah, uh, just back at work, as just back to the daily grind, mate. So it all begins again. Exciting times, eh? Yeah, absolutely, sure does. Uh, look, how long are you down the beach for, Uh Next couple of days, and then head back to Melbourne, ready to go for next week. So, cool. kind of keen to keen to get back into it. To be honest, um, it's been a tough few months, as we all know. So, hopefully, we can stay stay up before we get hopefully not locked down again. Mm. With a bit of luck. Okay. Yes, Des, to be honest. Should be yes. a good one tonight. Um, it should be a great one. We've uh, we've had 18 practices at this uh, to try and get ready for this guest. Um, we, we Not that we haven't had good guests, but this one is an absolute extra special, Berkey, no doubt. Um, and we've saved we've saved him till we've got it a little bit more tuned up. Um, we had a few internet troubles last week, obviously, with Laura Davidson, but that was a, that was a great... A great uh, gig, no doubt, or gig for us, um, live yeah, well, live chat. So, very good. Berkey, give us a little intro because what we might do is we might not hang around too long with a chat. We might bring on our next guest. But before we do, let's go through who it is and then we'll play a quick clip. Yeah, sure. I first uh, come across this uh, this young lad. He was in a bottle shop at Greensboro and I was just um, filling up, getting me regulars, and he had that... Um, you had that Beatles-ish haircut with the sideburns. I just got up a conversation and said, mate, you've got to be in a band. I've seen your, seen your head around somewhere. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a band called The Pitchers. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. You're the, uh, you're the drummer. You're the one that can't play guitar. So, yeah, and uh, just stood up from there and, um, yeah, met, met Brett Wolfenden. And um, it's been a uh, last probably 20 years or so. Um, yeah, we've met up at gigs and um, become, uh, become pretty established mates. So. He's a good lad. Can't wait to get him on. Awesome. Fantastic. And one of those bands is the awesome Casanovas. And let's just play a little clip and intro in our next guest. How awesome is that? 
and we could, we got to catch up um, at a gig recently to see the Casanovas kick off again um, at Stay Gold in Brunswick. That was a great little gig. So let's Epic bring on man. the great man, Brett Wolfenden. Wolfie, how are you, mate? Gentlemen, how are we? Hey, Wolfie. Welcome, mate. Yeah, mate. Great to see you all. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> on, a, on a lazy Wednesday night in Melbourne. Precisely. It's funny what Ber- Berkey was saying because uh, out of that bottle shop experience, I met two other people uh, who've been constants the last twenty years. Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a small world, bit of a coincidence. It sure is. And uh, that great man that we talked about before, Dave Cosma, jumped on the line to say a quick g'day, which is nice of him to tune in. Which is great. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago again. Um, Let's kick off right back to where it all began, Wolfie. And I just want to touch quickly with where did where where's your first memory of when music started to grip you as a kid? Uh, probably around the age of six, I think. Uh, Channel Seven used to have little film clips that they'd show, like half film clips, and I think I saw the Beatles' "Hello Goodbye" there. And uh, was interested in that. And my dad happened to be there. And not that he's got much musical knowledge, but he did actually own a copy of Sgt. Pepper's. And then my auntie was the one I got all my records off. Um, so, yeah, it just began there, really. I mean, I became a, a Beatle fan pretty much straight away. And, Wolfie, um, oh, when did you work out that you'd... Uh... That you never be a guitarist and you had to just be a drummer instead. Ugh, yeah. I, I wish I'd have, wish I'd actually played the piano after yeah. all of it. All of this <laughs> lugging around that I've done. But um I don't know, it just I just felt the inclination to, to play drums. I remember the to gigs with my parents, the first couple of gigs that I got taken to, I'd be air drumming, not knowing what I was doing, but it must have just been something that I felt comfortable with. And wanted to, to pursue, but I never really had lessons, and so I just thought I just picked it up. I probably would have um, would have uh, been better served by having lessons, but uh, it's just you know you play enough, you kind of get your head around it in your own way if you're any good. All right, I think you've done pretty well for yourself, great man. So, oh, well, thank you. So, <laughs> the, the couple of times I've seen you, Wolfie, and also in other sort of clips as well, you seem, it's funny you say you haven't been professionally trained yourself, taught yourself. You seem very relaxed. And I made that comment a couple of times to As and Berkey at the last gig I went and saw the Casanovas, that you seem, despite the tempo of the music, you seem so relaxed and so in the zone. It's as a it's probably drummer, yeah. it's great to see. It's probably just experience, really. I mean, um, you play long enough, you get better over time. And I mean, you look at, it's funny, not that I would compare myself to John Bonham, but if you look at the early 1970s stuff of Bonham, he's pretty uh, uh, pretty active in his shoulders, moving around and everything that like that. And by the time you get to kind of the mid-70s, he's just upright playing because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just you, you develop the muscle memory. Um, you just become better over time and uh, your muscles become stronger. Yeah. It's that—that's all it is, really. Have you, have you got um, 
from where you, you, I, I see um I see Moon in you, I see yeah, lots of different bits in you, you know, obviously the Ringo thing, but yeah. you've got a bit of everything. Is it have you got a specific influence or what's the what Well, I mean the main influences are, are pretty, pretty much pretty Keith much Moon, Moon, Moon and, and Ringo Starr, so um everything else I've just stolen little bits and pieces from. But over the years, I kind of feel like I've become a lot more myself as a drummer. Yeah, but yeah, but again, it's just, it's just an it's just a time thing. I mean, I can I can take from other drummers, but um, yeah, I feel now like I'm thinking more for myself as a drummer. I mean, it's not that complicated, but that's just that's just how I see it, really. Um, yeah, it's a bit bit narcissistic, isn't it? Really, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Wolfie, where do you where do you feel most comfortable um, in respect of obviously being the back of the band, holding the holding the whole thing together? Uh, originals or covers? You know, I see you in Marshmallow Overcoat. Uh, I've seen you in multiple cover bands as well. Yeah. Um, or do, and I suppose not where do you feel most comfortable, but where do you really enjoy it the most? Look, you're always going to enjoy the original stuff the most because you're playing someone's original material who is in the now. And um, I think the benefit of playing in, I'll say, tribute bands is that the tribute bands that I've selected, they're the ones that I grew up listening to those bands and it, it almost is just in you. It's in your head. It's like as you guys would know, just listening to music, you know, there are songs that you have in your head that you just love and you just know back to front. Like, it's funny, I did a, one New Year's Eve, I got a call at lunchtime from a Beatles tribute band called the Australian Beatles with a Z who said, look, our drummer's just gone down. He's got, he's got a herniated disc. Um, I've heard about you, can you fill in? And I had to do three one-hour sets and I literally just walked in and played a whole bunch of Beatles songs I've never played on the drums before Yeah, um, because it's all there, you know. Um, I don't need to necessarily – I mean, I don't mean to sound egotistical. It's just it's just that because it's not easy, but it's just, you know, you listen to it, you know, 24-7 over yeah. a number of years. It just, you know, it seeps into your subconscious, you know. Uh, can I um, to um so first first band and all that, did you have school bands and did you have you know rehearsals in the garage and all that sort of stuff and how did it first break for you? Uh yeah, well, in high school, I mean my my favourite bands were unpopular, so I, so we're talking yeah. mid nineties. I didn't really connect with anyone there because. My influences were the Beatles and the Who. That's all I did. I just listened to those bands. So coming out of high school, um, the first people that I met were older people, far older than me, who uh, at least by a good 15 years, um, who just asked me to start a band with them because I'd met a few of them. I'd, I think I put an ad in a paper to do a, a Who tribute show and then I'd met someone and from there... Um, I just wanted to do, a, to do a Who tribute show because I love the Who. But then this guy came and uh, we got along really well and he said he's, he had his own songs and um, did, a, did a couple of gigs with him. But that's how I met Davey. I met Davey in 99 through a mutual friend of the guy that I'd played in that first band with. 
And, um, yeah, Dave came and saw me play at a uh, Battle of the Bands um, at the Tribe University in Bandura. And then we just hit it off straight away. And, yeah, that, it wasn't that long after that that we started a band together called The Pictures. And that was really my first band. I reckon I was at that, that Battle of the Bands singing until the Tribe. You used to always go to that. Always see some up and coming through. So, there you go. Amazing. Yeah, well, I went from, like, in my first year at university going, I wish I could play that to playing it in the second year and then yeah. maybe shady. But I had, I'd had minimal um, live experience up to that point in time. So I think the yeah. first pictures gigs we did were, uh, I think, an even Christmas show could have been one of the first ones. Yeah. Actually, the first one was at the Greyhound Hotel. May it rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. No longer with us either, that one. Mm. Yeah, that was a great little venue. A ripper. Have you got a favourite venue, Wolfie, like, that, like obviously current but also olden days ones where you, when you first sort of started out playing live sort of gigs, one that you sort of think of, geez, I wish we could go back and play a gig there? Or Well, I mean, I'm always a big fan of the SB Front Bar. I mean, I yeah. mean that's that's gone now. But, yeah, I mean, that, that when you were playing that at 12.30 at night on a Friday or a Saturday and you just had people everywhere, and there was an atmosphere to it, uh, and it didn't matter who you were. It was just if it was good, then people were getting into it. Yeah, I'm generally getting into it anyway. But had some good, really early picture shows there too. Um, one particular one where it was it was absolutely packed to the rafters, and um, yeah, I mean that was that was a great time. Used to love the Hi-Fi Bar as well um, mm. back in the day. Um, uh, did a great gig there uh, with Johnny Marr and the Healers when they were out supporting Pearl Jam um, and uh, Ringo's son, Zach, was on drums for Johnny Marr and the Healers, so I got to spend a bit of time talking to him after the gig, which was really cool. Um, but the Hi-Fi Bar, many memorable, memorable gigs there. And, um, yeah, I reckon... One that was pretty memorable was uh, when we were the main support to the Vines and um, Jet opened. So Jet weren't at that point in time massive, but they were kind of bubbling up. And, um, yeah, I just remember that it wasn't a particularly good show for the Vines and people were leaving and... I think I remember the guy at the sound desk was kind of imploring people to to applaud to get them back out, and it was a bit yeah, it was wow, well, this isn't a particularly good gig for them. But um, yeah, there were lots of good good gigs at the Hi Fi Bar at that time, early two thousands. It was really cooking back then. Now, now it's called Max Watts, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's even going as Max Watts anymore. To be honest. Well, yeah, lots, right. Lots I would know. Yeah. Lots of fallen by this last little bit, so. Yeah. Sure have. Um, Wolfie, just touch on uh, meeting this great man at a gig. You, surely uh, you're always happy to see his face in the in the crowd. <laughs> that was always three years ago, wasn't show. it? Yeah. That was, at, uh, that was at the McCartney show. Yeah, it was. I dragged my daughter up the front there and ran into you blokes and uh, you ushered me out the back again, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't get back to where you belong, you know, but 
Oh yeah, what a big Mecca, Josh. That was a that was a pearl. yeah. Well, you know that was that was poetic justice that we were up the front because yeah. Davey and I actually went to see him in Japan, thinking that he'd never come to Australia again. And it's the one tour in his entire life that he cancelled completely. So we're there, we're <laughs> at the stadium, and we can see through uh, onto the stage and everything's set up and. There's got to be 60,000 people around this entire venue. So people are milling out the front. We're, we're just standing there for ages and we're just wondering why aren't they letting us in? And then this guy gets on a loudspeaker, megaphone, talks in Japanese and we're like, what's going on? And the a Japanese person in broken English said, no gig. And we're like, what? And said, oh, he's apparently he's sick. Um, and then... There was a possibility he was going to do the night after. So, again, like stupid idiots, we yeah, showed yeah. up at the, <laughs> the night after and wasn't going to happen. So he and one of the other guys got food poisoning in South America. So we were pretty disappointed because we really thought he was never coming back to Australia. And that was – he didn't come back until uh, 2018. So it was still another five years before he yeah. came back. Sterling, show that one. Yeah, it was a terrific gig. And the, the thing that was funniest about it was Davey and I were here in this lounge room, each on our computers, just praying that we could get a, de a half-decent ticket because we had pretty good tickets uh, for, for Japan and you don't pay near as much um, in Japan. But I think probably because of how many go to the show in comparison to Australia as well. You know, where, where he's playing in Australia is... Twenty to twenty-five thousand, whereas in Japan he's sixty thousand. So without oh, a problem. Um, so we're both on our computers, and fortunately enough, within a, literally like two minutes, we had VIP up the front. We just thought, well, fuck it, whatever it takes. We're just yeah. buying these tickets, and that'll be our redemption in some sweet way, which yeah. was nice. Here's my last, here's my last stadium one. I reckon here's the last one I needed to see at a. At a now I'm just going to go to pubs. I'm not going to go in any more venues. Like, there's nothing else that I want to see, I don't reckon. So, yeah. Oh, really? Was yeah. Was there a bucket list that you had that yeah. you never got to see? Oh, there, oh there's a few, but, um, you know, love, would have seen, love to see Hendrix and, um, you know, Led Zepp and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, there's no one else, really. Well, what about in your – because, I mean, the one that I'm gutted about and I had contemplated going over to the States to go and see him and now I really regret it because friends of mine did was Tom Betty. Oh, I – you know, and that was that's that's the one that I'm broken up about. Yeah. But anyway, Tom Petty maybe before 2000. I reckon he lost it a bit. Oh. I'm, I'm all traveling movement. I know I'm going to get, but you know, yeah, but, that, but, <laughs> we'll step yeah. back. We'll step back, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, his last few. No, I reckon you've been a bit hard on him there. I, I I still think he and his band had it, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just love his playing. Ben Montfence and you know, oh, they're great, great band, but um, yeah. went a bit fairy tale -y for me, I reckon. Well, you know, he was playing on painkillers that whole last American tour yeah. because he just didn't that much pain, and that's what did him in in the end. He yeah. just took too many of them, and um, yeah, so he wanted What's to go that, out. I've seen it, backing up um, Bob Dylan 100 years ago. Oh man, wow, and sometimes it's good to be old, but uh. <laughs> you can't remember it these days, but no, apparently it was a really good gig. So, oh man, that would have been a blinder to be at. Yeah. 
Wow. Speaking what of good gigs, ex- mm. explain this one for us, Wolfie. Uh, yes. uh, I remember. Yeah. I had to think about that. That was at Ashy's at Ash and Ayla's fiftieth birthday party. Yes, unhand that woman. <laughs> before the lockdown, I reckon that gig. That was probably the one we went to before lockdown. That was literally like a week before. He just snuck that in, and then first lockdown remember, happened. Do you remember what it all? Brett, you were well charged that night. You played your set, your DJ set, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, a few sheets to the wind, as they say. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Good one. It was really fun. Um, just a gig that was on during lockdown. Wolfie, let's just touch on on this one. Oh yeah, Davy, the chair. Yeah, that was great. Berkey, uh, Berkey beat the uh, beat everyone and. Snuck a little ticket or snuck in hey, without a ticket. I heard he dug uh, the trench and uh, and uh, just yeah slid his way in. No, no, sound engineer, sound engineer for the evening. I was apparently. I had, to, <laughs> I had to hold a cable for the whole night just to say if someone was to come in, I had to hold the cable. But yep. gosh, what a that was a ripper too. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Did a couple there with the Casanovas as well recently and. Yeah, but we didn't get to do a stream with the Casanovas because everything no. changed. So I, I think they've stopped doing streams now for the Cherry Bar. Yeah. And I, I have, yeah. have to mention, I actually said to a couple of people there at the gig, at the last Casanovas gig, and I've thought it for a long time, if there was someone I was going to turn for, it's got to be Tommy Boyce. Uh, what a great man. Yeah. a genius. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Well, I've known, I've known Tommy... For 20 years, because when the pictures started, was pretty much when the Casanova started. It was almost at exactly the same time. So we were following each other up. There they are. And uh, Tommy then had his brother playing drums and uh, someone else I knew, Jimmy, playing bass. And, um, yeah, knew him well. And, yeah, it's quite funny that... It should happen that I be playing in the Casanovas now, which I'm very appreciative of. Um, it's really nice of those guys to ask. And I think Tommy wasn't sure I was going to uh, to uh, say yes, but said yes in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a bit too woofy. It's, um, it's, it's been really – it's another energy, I reckon, too. We've seen lots and lots of gigs, the guys playing over there, but, yeah, you've just fitted in there beautifully, mate, so more power to you. Yeah, I think because uh, Jaws has got a different playing style to me. He's he's a bit more kind of punk rock. Uh, Even bands like the Helicopters and the Dictators, when I say punk, Um, whereas I'm a bit more 70s swing, I think, and... um, Mm -hmm. I think that suits where Tommy's writing is going now. I think it it opens it up for Tommy um, songwriting wise to be a bit more melodic, and that's what has happened on the last album anyway. He's kind of gone in that direction, so um, yeah, I think I think it's it's worked out really well for the three of us. And then when you um, when you put that uh, Kiss anniversary band together, it, um, that was just that was just phenomenal. I had you and Ash playing. And- 
UNS? Yeah, UNS playing and Tommy and no, it's just yeah, that was another ripping gig too. Yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't have um, wasn't it Welshie on bass? Yeah, from um, yeah, yeah. yeah from Have a Nice Day. Yeah, but yeah, we did a few of those gigs. Um, before before uh, the lockdown came in, we were going to do a 1980 um, tribute, so we were going to play the entire 1980 set, but, but yes. which would have been so much fun. Oh, but, for sure. Uh, yeah, our plans got scuppered by lockdown, but we'll do something again. Yeah, we're all guys. Guys from Airborne were saying it. Well, when we're at um, that last castle, you you noticed the guys from Airborne rocking. Oh yeah, <laughs> we were... of course, yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> great. Yeah, oh, Joel, yeah, Joel and Ryan, they're they're fantastic. Yeah. They've um, I've known them obviously playing through other bands, and um, yep, and obviously they've toured with the Casanovas, and yeah, so it's all yeah, they're they're fans and vice versa. It's it's great, really nice guys. I was saying they want to do put it. Yeah, I mean, it, who knows what's going to happen this year? I mean, yeah. we just don't. Now, we don't know how quickly things are going to open up internationally. Um, it may yet be another year before anyone can do anything internationally. So, mm. I mean, we had last year, the Casanovas had, we were definitely going to South America. We had New Zealand gigs booked and we were going to go back to Europe in September. So... All of that got completely taken off the table, um, but that's okay. Everyone was in the same boat, so yeah, yeah. And not wanting to steal the show, but you want to ask? Do you think it'd be? Do you think it's okay for? Is it going to help our Australian music scene if we just have Australian headliners? Like I know they're they're looking at um, closing up the East Coast um, Blues Festival. But if it was just all Australian bands, I'm sure we'd pack it out. I feel, I think people would love it. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when no, I would be. I don't there, understand how you can have twenty five thousand or thirty thousand or thirty five thousand at the cricket in Sydney tomorrow. No, that's and, right. And well, you can't have a gig with X amount of people in the crowd, yep. even that's if great. it is Australian bands. Now, what's the difference? I mean, yep. they're taking the risk going to the cricket. Yep. You know, why can't people take the risk going to a gig? Yep, uh, sure. I mean, we've, yeah. we've gotten into this kind of frame of mind where it's it's sports culture over creative arts in Australia. And I, I, don't, I don't see why they should be favoured any more than us. I, I don't understand that. Oh, not at all. You put the uh, you put the money generated up between the two and it, it, um, music kills it anyway from, uh, from all accounts. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I'll let you have your show back. Sorry, yes. <laughs> no, not at all, mate. Not at all, Berkey. You're, uh, you know, you're as much part of this show as, as I am for sure. This, I put this platform together with with Glenn to, to basically just jump online and have a chat. And it's great that Wolfie can join us tonight. So, Berkey, I know you've had a few weeks off, mate, but you're more than part of uh, this, and especially from the music component, knowing that you know it so well, and. Um, Mate, you, you're the one that talks uh, talks the talk with the right right music and talks the right language. But let's talk about um, something else as iconic oh, yeah. as any other band. Um, these three guys, Wolfie, you don't just sit on the drums, mate. You do so much more than that. Just give us a little little chat about uh, this particular gig in particular. Oh, well, I was that that was just a gig where I have this little 
funny little side project that I couldn't possibly do without Davey called Wolfie Sings, and um, we just play some of my favourite songs and I sing them because I haven't written any songs. I'd like to, but I haven't. And um, that night I was supporting Andre Warhurst um, of Spoonful fame. And, uh, yeah, we did the show and Ash was in the audience and I just said, come up and and do one. And I think we did Across the Universe by, uh, by the Beatles. And, again, in true... Marshmallow overcoat form. We'd never ever done that ever. So um, yeah, it's just another, just another night of, uh, of winging it, and, 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 trying to get away with it. Yeah, he's a he's a ripping guy. Um, his voice is phenomenal too. So don't tear yourself short there, Brett. Oh, thank you. Take the acclaim and take the, take all the plaudits, mate. That was a ripping show. At the, was at the gym. Is that right? Uh I think that particular one was at the Labour in Vain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Andre. Yeah. Mm. But we um, had a good time. Another gig. To talk about uh, probably one of the most postponed gigs over <laughs> Melbourne in the last, uh, the last little while. Talk about keep us keep us wanting more, Wolfie. Um, yeah. Sadly, that, this gig got postponed two or three times from memory. Um, it was a long time coming, but you eventually got to get it done. Um, yeah. And it's so good, so good to see you guys perform in that particular lineup. Uh, a couple of picks from some of these gigs, just three incredible, incredible artists, mate. Um, it's just an absolute honour to see you guys play and do oh, tribute. Thanks, not a, not only uh, pay homage to the great artists that have come before us, but you know you guys get to play what you love, and I think you yeah. guys just energy you guys bring to those gigs is just incredible. You absolute great connection, and it's just in. Just amazing to see. So hopefully there's so many more of these marshmallow overcoat gigs. Well, we enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's our. Well, we enjoy doing it and we do it when we're all free, which isn't all the time. So you've got that. And then you've also just got the fact that we are winging it. So anything could happen. And I think um, we did a show recently in Archie's Creek, which I think Bergie was in attendance at. Well, that's what we're uh, doing. That's all right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah. That's right. You road tripped. Um, and, yeah, well, I mean, we just started playing No Matter What by Badfinger in the sound check, and there it was. It was in the show. And, I mean, I, it wasn't really – it just happened. So Ripping you can just keep, keep doing that stuff, um, yeah, why not, eh? Yeah, just keep having a warm up. Yeah, absolutely. And another one you don't mind – Performing in which with Murphy's Hardware, have you, have you stepped in a couple of times with them, or what? What was sports been the original plan with them? Because I know they've had a few different lineups over time. Yeah, uh, the reason that Ben and I joined was because Ross McLennan and Nick. Well, Nick, Nick did. I did this gig with Ben Mason, who uh, he'd recorded the Zombies album Odyssey and Oracle all by himself in his home okay. studio, and. He wanted to put a band together, and that album is quite a complicated album uh, to play on stage because you need about eight people on stage. So Ash played guitar, um, and Nick Murphy played bass, and James Fleming played keys, who I play with in Davey's band. And then after that, Nick said, oh, well, I've got this band called Murphy's Hardware, and we're, we're in between a few people. Do you and Ben want to play? And we're like, sure, and it's just become this regular thing now. And... Um, Ah, oh, it's an absolute treat playing with those guys, and you know Ross is 
Ross is one hell of a genius, that's for sure. I have a lot of admiration for him. He's he's great. Well, it's got the re-release. <laughs> It's um, it's been yeah, on the table, so it's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be more shows coming up with those guys too, hopefully. Sorry, Becky, we've got a bit of audio bouncing around with you, so I'm just trying to. Yeah, a couple of seconds. All right. Sorry about that. We'll try again. Yep. Try again. So, uh. The one I was going to ask you about, um, Brett, was uh, when you got together with uh, the guys from uh, Marshmallow Overcoat, you, the, even when you were playing along to, uh, you, you would do a sort of sound check in between or come back early from a set and just play along with whatever what's playing on the, whatever the DJ's playing in between. <laughs> one remember one was um, We Are The Champions or something, or um, uh, it, was, it was just phenomenal. And you, David, joined in and you're, you're there on your drums. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a, a skill as well that you acquire over time. You get used to playing songs before you start playing, so yeah. you just got to listen carefully to to the song because you can never really hear it that well. But you get yeah. used to it after a while, and and yeah, okay. I mean, if Davy and I are up there, we'll always start playing along as a bit of a piss take to kind of put off the person that's playing the music beforehand. Welcome back, Glenn. Thanks, mate. Now, well, we've, got, well. we've, we've brought a good mate of mine on to the show in the last couple of weeks, mate. So, obviously, tonight been a big night. We've got a cast of thousands. Good there mate go. of mine in the bottom corner, Alan Love. Lovey, mate, Wolfie. Hey, Lovey. How you doing? Good, Wolfie. How are you, mate? Very well. Oh, nice T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> look, you know, I knew certain person was coming on this podcast tonight, mate, so why not? <laughs> I'll chuck it on. I have about another three or four others of them too. Feel good. <laughs> Loving it. Now, now, Wolfie, with most of our guests, I've asked, like one question I ask all of them, and I'll ask you this, and question without notice. You're having a dinner party. Obviously, you're yeah. the, the main guest. You can bring five people, living, dead, don't care. Who are you bringing? Uh, there was only four band members, cuz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We could be in Yoko. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. So, it, dead, dead or living? Dead or living, yeah. yep. Oh, okay. Um, well, look, it'd definitely be, Keith Moon would definitely be there. Um, uh, McCartney would have to be there, wouldn't he? Um, who else? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I think I'd invite the Marx Brothers along. Because I, I love the Marx Brothers, my favourite film trio. Jeez, uh, that's tough. Oh, Pete Townsend. I definitely have Townsend there. Um, he's up the sticks now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Brian Wilson, I'd probably have there as well. Yeah, yeah. big one. It's a long yeah. table. Keep going. It's a very long yeah, table. Yeah, it, it, it could be a very long, very long table. Well, yeah. I'd have Freddie Mercury there as well. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. A, a progressive laugh. dinner, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good from you, Kaz. Thank you, Alan. 
<laughs> Wasn't me that said that. It was Berkey, Glenn. So yeah. switch back on again. Hey, um, one question for you, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, Wolfie. Um, seen on Facebook, we've got a lot of mates, a lot of friends that we can't wait for the music to get back up and running again. And unfortunately, with all this stupid COVID stuff that's going on, um, we're hoping live gigs happen soon and festivals and things like that. Um, how long do you think it'll be before it gets back into full swing? Are, are you are you guys planning like through the Casanovas and other and other musical like uh, mates? Are you guys still thinking that there'll be some decent music going on second half of this year at least or not? Oh, look, it's it's hard we to say. It to. I think everything's everything is getting booked to a degree, and yep. we're all still playing it by ear. I think, and like we were just saying before, I think. This year, if they can't get internationals in and we can't go out, uh, it really should be a good time for music in Australia because, mm. I mean, even just like in December, people were just gagging for live music. And right. I think even though the crowds are small, the enthusiasm, even when we went up to Sydney just before everything kicked off in the Northern Beaches, just to have, I think... You felt the appreciation from the crowd when we played at Oxford Art Factory, even though it was a small crowd, because everyone was like, "Wow, live gig!" Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think this year there's definitely uh, a really big chance that that um, the national music scene could flourish. You know. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we were. Um, it's funny. I was looking up. Uh, different bands that I'd, I'd followed over the years and hopefully they get to go back around again and um, even just the local stuff. I heard the baby animals were going to have a travel. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Super Jesus, all those sort of bands. It'd be great just to see them once again, at least in the next six to 12 months. And um, you know, bands like yourselves as well that can really fill up, uh, you know, pubs and, and things like the Sydney Mind Music Bowl. That sort of stuff would be just fantastic to be able to get that back up and running again. It'd be awesome. Well, we can only hope so. We can only yeah. hope so. I, I think it'll be it, – they're talking now about a, a vaccine being made available around the March period. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it'll take time to get it through the entire country, but um, mid to the end of the year, mm. uh, I reckon it could be really good. Um, so I think I reckon, people are booking, booking for the end of the year. Yeah. The end of the year, for yeah. sure. I reckon promoters can start charging more too for gigs, knowing that tickets are going to be at a premium. And you can, You're if right. you go for 50 to 120, you know, 50 people in a 120 seat venue or people venue, charge, you know, 30, 40, 50. You're right. And you'll get people that want to go and see those bands to go. I don't mind paying, paying the extra. Yeah, especially We're if you put the bill together. Yeah. Yeah. We are lucky enough to have Charles, Charles Jenkins play at our place a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and it was you know it was forty bucks a head. We only had fifteen people, but it was fifteen bucks a uh, sorry, it was forty bucks a head, and that makes it doable for an artist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, everyone gets you know, and we get to see some live music, which is great, and um, and you know, people can get fed and stuff. So I don't mind. Paying and also, you know, you know, if if you can get more people in, then again, you know, there's more money to be made, and oh, yeah, um, yeah, every everybody wins, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was there was something that uh, I can't remember the name of it now. It was meant to be happening uh, even down at St Kilda Esplanade, I think in March or April over a couple of days. And um, the problem was they're charging terms of something bucks a ticket. It's just 
it's, it's horrendous. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you get around that. Uh, and the Berkey's point: how many people are actually taking up those tickets? Uh, last I checked, they, they haven't sold both days out. So I reckon if they yeah. had them made that cheaper, yeah, you'd have people pumping through there. Maybe that's maybe that's the idea with COVID. Maybe yeah, it's one yeah. between each other. I don't know, but. Was that St Kilda Festival? Or was that something else? Uh, it wasn't. I don't recall being called the St Kilda Festival. I'd have to look it up on Facebook. But it's um, yeah. it's two days, two days. Uh, first day was almost sold out. I think the second day um, they're struggling to uh, get it sold though. So it'd be interesting if they made that cheaper. How, how quick they get it done? Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Brett, I wanted to ask before you before we do get kicked off. I'm going to throw this one in. I wanted to ask you about um, one of my uh, one of my musical uh, heroes, uh, the great Todd Rundgren. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're lucky enough to get with you guys and uh, head to Sydney for that Todd Fest. But how did that all come about? Can I ask how that all come about? Uh, that was through the organizer of Todd Fest. Uh, what was his name? I can I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, Michael was the. Michael, I hooked up with the bloke that I knew, but um, was it, I, can't remember, I can't recall. He was from Perth, but yeah. he contacted Davey and he said, would you uh, like to put a band together for Todd? So mm-hmm. Davey was the architect. He was the one that got us all together. And um, it was, I mean, you, you saw the shows. It was, it was, uh, it was like Nirvana. It was, wasn't it? The band, just the idea. <laughs> Yeah, no. the concept. No, but but even, even that rehearsal, if, my God, that was just that was super. Blew them. Yeah, blew them I mean, even just being able to do that that rehearsal at the um, uh, what was the venue in Sydney? I've just oh, Frankie's Frankie. Pizza. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, we were, were only supposed to play short, but Todd just wanted to keep going, which was wonderful. <laughs> um, so you kind of got the show before we'd actually technically done a show. Yeah, and I think the beauty part too is is that we're all we're all very well versed in Todd's music, so uh, it wasn't just going to be some pickup band that was just a means to an end. And um, yeah, we, we couldn't believe we were doing it, and we were trying to keep a lid on it because we were mm. pretty excited. Oh yeah, you went alone, mate. Yeah, and like just. The six degrees of separation that Todd has to really any artist, you could pretty much link him to any artist. So you've got this very rich history of everything that he's achieved. And and really, as a person, he was just like your uncle. Like he was just, he was just warm and enthusiastic and uh, very easy to get along with. So it was just, it ticked all the boxes. It really did. Like... Yeah, totally memorable experience. Yeah, thank you, Tom, man. Just to touch on one of your biggest loves, Wolfie, uh, the Beatles, as we all know, um, or we, if you don't know, just have well, a look at Wolfie. Of, and speaking of six enough. degrees of separation, <laughs> I mean, about four or five years ago, I was watching, before I played with Todd, you know, he's playing on stage with Ringo at the Festival yeah. Hall, you know, because yeah. he'd been in Ringo's band for, um, you know, a good four or five years. So, yeah. actually, I don't think Davey will mind me telling this story, but we were getting ready to, to leave uh, the morning after one of the gigs and um, 
Davey was running a bit late and um, Todd just made the very, um, uh, uh, just, just, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he, oh, he, just, he just, he just made a, a remark or an observation that, that um, Ringo has a policy that um, anyone who's not in the van before him makes their own way to the next destination, <laughs> which, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't saying that like Ringo's a prick. He was just saying that that's just Ringo's way of getting everyone in the van before him. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> which was, which was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, he just, Todd would just throw stories out like that. Like we were coming home from Katoomba and Todd had had a very, um, a very public, uh, Tracker with with Lennon, a verbal with Lennon. So they were. So Todd had said something in the music papers about about how he didn't get this whole Lennon thing with him, you know, being a, you know, a, a protester and you know getting on all these causes. And then Lennon wrote a letter and he put it in um, NME or one of the um, papers as an open letter to Todd and basically took the piss out of him. So we knew that. I mean, that's common knowledge. And for some unknown reason, he started talking about it in the van. And I mean, no one had asked him about it. That was what made it even better. Uh, maybe, it, maybe a Lennon song was playing in the van. I can't remember. But Davey and I are in the two back seats, and we're looking at each other, going, "He's telling us this <laughs> story." And then he told us the part that we'd never heard before, which was he said he was sitting at home one day and his phone rang and it was Lennon. It actually called him and said, "Let's call it." You know, we've enough. And. Um, we're just, Dave and I just looking at each other going, what? I can't believe this. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's... Um... I mean, he had a million of those stories, honestly. Wow. I, one, one other one that was great was I was sitting in the Virgin Lounge with him. He was just sitting next to me and we were just eating some food. And he was a nomination for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that yeah. year. And... He was just keeping an eye on the public votes. Not that the public votes had that much to do with the end result. And as it was, he didn't get uh, in anyway. Um, but Stevie Nicks was above him and Def Leppard was above him. And he was just, he just turned to me. He just turned to me and he said, oh, he said, Stevie Nicks, he said, uh, remember in the early 80s, um, I went to go and see her perform and she insisted I go back to her place and she locked me in her bathroom while she was snorting lines of coke on the other side of the door, just blasting out these demos um, that she'd done. And I said, I said to him, oh, did she want you to produce her next album? He said, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, sure. Okay. No worries. Cool. I mean, what, what, what do you say? Like, yeah, cool. Nice to be a part of those ones, man. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely, especially when you don't um, even really start it. He just he just goes, he just talks. You know? I mean, I bet he's got a million more of them. Like if you sat around with him for enough, they'd all just come out. Yeah, amazing. I just want to touch on obviously one of our all our loves, but especially yours, um, Brett, the Beatles, um, and this special moment, uh, the Beatles rooftop concert. January 1969, 
um, one of those classic unannounced concerts on a rooftop, and you guys got to reproduce something similar. Um, I just want to play a little clip, and then we'll talk through it. What a moment. Yeah, tell us a bit trip. about that gig. What's that? I was going to say, what a moment. But just tell us a bit about that gig, Wolfie. Uh, got contacted by someone who asked us if we'd like to put a show together. He had a little uh, set up in North Melbourne where he had a rooftop. And he said, I want to professionally record and film it. Um, and Davey Ash and I are obviously on board. And then we got Ross to play bass. And he had a friend of his from WA called Timothy Nelson. Uh, his name was... Um, Trevor Brian Cotton, and, yeah, it was a fun gig to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been so much Let It Be stuff recently because, obviously, the the uh, the Get Back film that Peter Jackson's recutting is, is going to come out very, very shortly. And, um, yeah, there'll be more Let It Be, hopefully, this year for us too if we, we get to do the show that we did um, a few years ago. We're, in, we're intending to do... Uh, let it be after we did Abbey Road a few years ago. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yep. If if, uh, if, the, if the restrictions, if you know everything come comes back to normal, that's going to be happening. That's for sure. You've got that hack cram coming there and just filling in while you are taking more views there, Wolfie. Cram's Cram's great to play with. It's. I hadn't had many experiences doing double drums, so playing, playing drums with Cram simultaneously was um, was a totally new experience. Uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable. We get rid of Cram and Lucky Luck, mate. You've got it all to yourself, I reckon. You'd be number one on the list for most. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually really sorry, Wolfie. I was just saying, I actually like the. Uh, there's a real likeness to your keyboard player to Billy Preston back in 1970. But, That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I was. Uh, what's your favourite song off of that particular rooftop concert? What's the What's the one you love performing the most out of the ones they did? Oh God. I what's mean, your it's, favourite? It's It's so hard when someone asks you what your favourite is, especially when it pertains to the Beatles, because it's practically everything. But. Um, Oh, I mean, I love playing "Get Back." I mean, I love, I love "Don't Let Me Down." That's a favourite Beatles mm. song of mine, um, which was the B side to "Get Back." Um, mm. But I love them all. I mean, even "Dig a Pony." I love playing. Mm. Yeah, they're all good songs. Mm. Well, it was just, a, just another question. I got my last question actually for you. Um, I'm starting to become a bit of a Wolfie fan here. That's okay. Um, <laughs> So many songs. I, when, when I went through the when I when I started following the Beatles a few years back myself, I didn't realize how many songs they had that people hadn't actually either taken up or just commercially just followed. Yeah. Have you got Have you got a particular song that no one ever talks about that the Beatles did that you go, well, this actually is probably almost their best ever song. I mean, for me, Bulldog 
or across the universe that you mentioned before, probably two of their best ever that hardly anyone ever talks about. Yeah, definitely Hey Bulldog. That was probably one that sprung to mind mm. immediately. Um, it's a bit different now, I suppose. You know, I think with the internet and the I – don't, I don't think any anything's that obscure anymore. Not if you can ju- just jump on Spotify and play Beatles songs. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I see what you mean by that for sure. I think yeah. I think Hey Bulldog's an underappreciated song. Um, not as much as it used to be, though, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, that would that would have been my definitely my um mm. my answer to that question. Good call, Lovey. Thanks, no, Perky. Mm. I was um we were <laughs> running away somewhere a couple of days ago and um she's leaving home came on the iPod. Oh, and yeah. um I must admit I had a moment, you know, you just started tearing up and you're going, Oh Josh, you, you don't realise how these things affect you still, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Really sad song, but uh, just greatly, great lyrics, great writers, just, yeah, amazing. It's going to be interesting, not that we'll probably be around, but, well, we won't, but in 50 to 100 years' time, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how, whether whether the Beatles de- depreciated or not because yeah. um, it's still going pretty strong when you really think mm. about it. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But all the kids are listening to old songs anyway. Now, we have mm. 19-year-old parties, 20-year-old parties here, and yeah. they're all listening to, um, granted, it's bloody horses and, you know, arm in arm at 3 o'clock in the morning singing K-Sang and bloody horses. <laughs> but um, you know, they still play a lot of the older, older stuff. Younger kids are playing a lot of old stuff, so I reckon we'll always be there. Mm. Mm. But, I, I mean, like, it's not like kids... You know, twenty-year-old kids are going to be like partying the Beatles songs, but it's more like they still know the song somehow. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. And um, it's it's like even that film yesterday that came out last year. It just keeps it in the main frame, doesn't it? Just yeah. you know, there's another generation that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be in there, like nine, ten, eleven years old that have watched that film and have probably acquired an interest in the Beatles because they've seen that. So it's just keeping it relevant. Yeah. But if we're doing that job as parents, that's probably um, give that's them right. the grand, you know, <laughs> probably give them that granding, let them listen to it, and then they can make their decisions from there, whether they go, you know, listen to Taylor Swift or whatever. Hopefully they come back with some real music eventually. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like when he's, when he's too old, too old, yeah. if you know yeah. what I mean. I, I don't yeah, know how I mean. that works anymore because, you know, in the seventies, did people give a shit about what was going on in the twenties? I don't know. Like, yeah, but I guess technology's a bit different now. Um, mm. Makes a big difference. I think, I think good look. Good music's always going to be good music. So I think we speak about people from the forties and fifties, what they listen to, seventies, eighties. Like, good music is always now. And as you said, Wolfie, now with things like Spotify, the internet, YouTube. You can look up things, and even people who are fans of things, they'll put up things on their Facebook page, and you yeah. hear from that. And that's, I look for myself like getting to know, obviously, I know as well, but getting to know Berkey and coming to see one of your gigs and other things. I've got appreciation for local original music, but then yeah. to speak tonight, how eclectic are your music tastes and the influences you've had. So that's, I think, a lot of people say at times internet's not good, but I think. In terms of keeping the past in the present, I think it's very yeah. good. 
That's a good point. Yeah, it's just uh, the only my only bugbear is just. I just I don't like streaming services. I hate it, and I just I just don't like the fact that the artists don't get paid. And I'm not talking Thank about you. you know the Led Zeppelins of the world and all that as much as you know it's good that Jimmy Page came out and did recently, you know defend defend the artists against Spotify. But um, I mean there was obviously a lot of artists that appeared at that in, that inquiry. Um, from all different spectrums of, you know, um, lower-tier lower success to no, no success whatsoever to, you know, massive success. But I just don't understand how someone can own a business where, you know, it's generating that much money and yep. the revenue yeah. that they're generating, you know, all this money from is coming from people who don't get paid sufficiently. Oh, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's created a sense of laziness too. Yes, yeah. It's created a genuine sense of laziness into the whole production of music and getting it out there. And for sure, it's almost like the magic's gone from it. Well, my mum, like my mum, always used to say that one of her favourite things, she used to go to the record shop. I'm glad vinyl's coming back, by the way. But now she she got her every Beatles EP, uh, Elvis, the Stones. They were a big three, and she said the best part about it was you get in the record store, you get home. And you're just almost cuddling the bloody thing. Hmm. You just don't get that anymore. And it's the yeah, same well, when they're producing it. Well, you're going to get – you're always going to get people that want to go to a record store and buy <laughs> buy a record. But with with Spotify, if, if they changed the pricing a bit or more money went to the artists, yep. um, I just I just think that that would be, that would be fairer. And, and – um, would the quality of the music be better as well then? If they quite, put quite, it to the quite possibly, quite possibly, yeah. quite possibly. Um, and then it becomes a win-win then, doesn't it, for the artists and for the people who appreciate the music as well? It's, it's. I don't understand it. I think that will change. I, I reckon in years to come that's going to change. I, I've got a feeling. Um, streaming, streaming will definitely um, favour the artists at some point in time. But it's got to be just someone like Dan. I understand that Jimmy Page has got well, – I reckon you've just got to say for a week, we're not going to allow our stuff to be streamed. Like people like whoever it be, you know, the U2s and those bigger bands that can afford not to have those those amounts come in for a week, whatever it be. Just say, look, until people are getting paid, look, the people are just ignored that they're only paying for 10, 20, 50 people that aren't making their way. We're losing these people because they can't afford – the play, yeah. yeah. Young, so the, the only thing is, I'm not sure how much the record company has power over the artist's yeah. CV. I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. I don't think they'd let it happen um, mm. because I think that those that those big conglomerates make more money yeah. than even the artists do. Or you know, oh, yeah, definitely. It's, just, it's, well, it's a raw. Yeah, Eddie She's twenty years ago with Napster and all those sorts of things. Like yeah. just. And that, and, and ever since then, um, there, there has been a bit of backlash. But until someone actually, to Berkey's point, I reckon, put a flag in the ground and, and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm all for it. Go, comrade. Just a couple, of, just a couple of minutes <laughs> left, boys. I just want to talk quickly about one of your fav most favourite albums, Wolfie. Yes. Uh, this yes. one by the Who. What an uh, album cover. 
Absolute masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. It's uh, now we are yeah, going to hit you up for a favorite, a favorite track on that album. Ah, they're all great. Uh, I know it's I hard. Like, I like I'm One. That's probably my favorite track. But yeah. Ta- Townsend is just a genius, and um, you know, he he was one guy writing all these songs and and um, demoing them all beforehand, and then re-recording them with the band and. Yeah, I mean, Leonard McCartney were two guys writing songs, but, you know, Townsend was doing it all himself. And, um, yeah, I, I reckon he's a genius. But, yeah, it, it's a masterpiece, that record. I highly recommend it for anyone who uh, who hasn't as yet heard that album. Yeah, you won't get any arguments from us in relation to genius, that's for sure. Um, no, no qualms there. Now, one of the – we talked a couple of weeks ago about album art and the return of kind of album art and now that we actually get to see the album art and not a little yeah. posting stamp that we get on iTunes, now the vinyl's kind of back. Uh, yeah. And it's great to see this, an original drawing um, and the Casanova's Reptilian Overload. Cannot wait yeah. to uh, get our hands on this. Yeah, that's um, I, that, that is from, a, from an American television show. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the show. I think it's V. Um, it was. Yeah. That's that's where they got that idea from, um, yeah. Which is great. It's a great cover. And I'll speaking be- of great covers as well, I just want to touch on this yeah. one. Yeah. That- how good is it? How good is it, um, Wolfie, to be to be in the moment recording again and being able to record original music with you guys? I mean, Davey's an incredible talent, but. Um, you guys have a great connection as well. And to be in there recording original music again, you must just absolutely pinch yourself to say, how good is this to be able to do this again? Yeah, well, Davey's music's so good. I mean, even if I wasn't playing on it, I'd be a fan of his of his, mm. his art. But, um, yeah, it's great to it's great to be able to get in the studio and record. Yeah, that was just recently in Sydney. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, actually, speaking of recordings, so Casanovas are going into the studio for 12 days at the start of March, so hopefully yeah. uh, we'll get something good out of that. Fantastic. And, um, yeah, Beautiful. and we'll, uh, we'll be moving forward. So, yeah, I love recording. It's it's so much fun. It's, it's so different to performing live in every way, and that's what makes it so good. Um, even when you're... Even when you're all playing live together in a studio, it's still a, a completely different thing, um, mm. in my opinion. But, yeah, especially when it's more measured as well and you're playing to click tracks and you're um, getting different sounds rather than just a, a live sound that that is very echoey and, and big, you know, because you can do everything. You can, you know, you can make the drum sound. You can tune them down and make them sound fat and dead and, you, you know, you, when you play live, it's better to just have them tuned up because it's got more energy and, and power to it. And, and you, know, you, you play with your, a different energy um, live on stage to when you record. I love it. Yeah, and speaking, speaking of being uh, tuned up and playing loud and being iconic, um, what an iconic voice when you were in Wolfmother. Um, Andrew Stockdale, oh, yeah. what an incredible voice. Oh, absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, He's written some great songs. Uh, it was a lot of fun playing in that band. Who's that guy? Get him off. Get him off. <laughs> yeah. No, it, was, it was a lot of fun playing with Andrew. Oh, goodness. That that was before the uh, the surgery on my face. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 
Yeah, it was great. It was great fun playing in Wolf Mother. A lot, a lot of fun. And I one I don't have a pick of, but Dallas Crane. We just had a little chat off backstage before oh, yeah. talking about Dallas Crane. I completely yeah. forgot about that you playing at Dallas Crane. But just tell us a little bit about uh, one special memory playing with Dallas Crane. Well, again, Dallas Crane I'd known from you know twenty years past, and um, when the pictures first started, we were all in that little group of bands together that got you know thrown into the whole new rock thing that happened very very briefly, but. Yeah, um, ended up going to Iraq with Dallas Crane and playing to the American servicemen and women over there, which was a wonderful experience. Um, yeah, we played some shows. They took us out and they um, let us experience, you know, sh shooting the weapons and um, what else did we do? Uh, yeah, we went on like a like a Hercules and, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy. But, you know... Pfft. 14 days was about as much as, as a fortnight was about it, you know, because after that, you know. Like those get the locals away, wouldn't they? Get a Taliban away, I reckon. Oh, I mean, look, the conditions weren't fantastic. You get, you know, it's and it's all very regimented and you've, you know, you're up early and it's, yeah, it's not ideal. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Really, really good. And then, you know, I've done shows here and there with Dallas. Um, yeah, tick, tick the boxes. Uh, played up in Queensland where, where we actually um, played with you and mine, the Hoodoo Gurus, which was great. And, um, yeah, and then, yeah, just did, did a run of shows with the Gurus, which was good. So, yeah. I just, just been now and then. That's all right. No, there's not too many bands. Wolfie hasn't been near, that's for sure. Uh, so a testament <laughs> to, your, to your diversity, uh, Wolfie. No, but yeah. I feel like a whore, put it that way. No, no, no. No, no, not at all. If uh, if Wolfie knocks back the gig, there's plenty of room for other drummers. So <laughs> I just want to uh, touch on diversity. It's not just about rock with you, Wolfie, and I know you lend your hand to many other genres, but one in particular with a good friend of mine, who we had on last week, Laura oh, yeah. Davidson in Carpenter's Tribute. Yep. Just tell us um, a little bit about that. Well, Laura and I met uh, when she was playing with Bongo Starkey from Skyhooks, did some gigs, and I think Laura and I had this uh, mutual idea that, that it would be great to start a Carpenter's Tribute band if possible, and we talked about it for years and years, and... I just thought it was never going to happen. And then she said, I think I've got the linchpin that I need to make the Carpenter show work. And, uh, yeah, she, she's she got this multi-instrumentalist who can play, you know, saxophone, oboe, you know, piccolo, play everything that you need to to provide the texture for those songs because that's that's the hard part. You don't want someone just playing, playing it on a keyboard. It just won't sound right. So... We got that guy, Jeremy, and, yeah, it just kicked off. And, I mean, we only got to do four shows before the lockdown happened and it stopped us. But every show sold out. And it was a real trip playing Carpenter Socks because as much as the demographic's going to be older, and there's nothing wrong with that, everyone's singing. And because we're playing really quiet, because to get the right dynamic for the Carpenters, you need to have the voices at the top. And then you need to have, you know, those other instruments, the woodwind and brass and all that as kind of second 
and the drums and the bass are just down so low. So you're playing pretty quietly. And the, there's barely any guitar in Carpenter songs. Like, of the, the 24 songs we're playing, there's like 12, 12 songs with guitar. And it's really not that much anyway. So um, you can hear everyone singing in the crowd. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. It, like, it would be great to do more of those shows because, uh, yeah, such a great band. Yeah, such a great band. Gorgeous nails in them, so, yeah. We were lucky enough to get to the caravan gig and everyone was singing every word to every song. It was crazy. You could just mm. hear everyone. Yeah. Especially when, when you do Top of the World and sing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone's singing. Yeah. But even Superstar, oh, everyone's... Oh, you know, yeah. Everyone's... Yeah. And you're doing the whole... I know. And, like, you don't, you don't hear the Carpenters songs played by bands because it's just so hard to get a Carpenters tribute band together yeah. and do it justice. So not many people try. And yeah. so that's another kind of string to the bow um, that made it, that makes it so much fun because it's so unique. Yeah. Well, there's one thing for sure. You, you won't die wondering Wolfie, that's for sure. Between, <laughs> uh, between plenty of gigs. And if you're not, if you're not um, in the gig, you're DJing it. So oh, yeah. um, that's another love of yours, uh, oh, spinning absolutely. the old vinyl at plenty of gigs, which is great to see. Um, so yeah. many local little bars that Wolfie's uh, spinning the beats at. So, mate, make sure you check that out. Wolfie, where are you, uh, where are you next, mate? Where can we see you next in the next I'm couple of weeks? The, I'm at the Gem Bar this Sunday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be having a few Bloody Marys while I'm there because the Gem's a great venue. It's just on Wellington Street in Collingwood. It's absolutely a ripping venue. It really is. And Castle Maine. What's coming up there with Davey? Oh, he's got a he's doing a show on the Friday night. That's just a solo gig for him. Oh right, okay. Yep. Yeah. But I no implore problem. you all to go. Let's, let's I wonder where anyway. you were going with that. I'm thinking <laughs> Castle Maine. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time you've done a road trip to go and support another artist, Wolfie. So we'll jump. You can jump in our car anytime. We'll take you for a ride for for a good couple of stories. But just to uh, mention where you can catch catch Wolfie next, DaveyLane.com.au and thecasanovas.com.au. Check it out. If not, check out Wolfie on Instagram and a few other places. Um, Wolfie, what's your Instagram? Uh, I think it's Brett Wolfie. There you go. Let's check it out. Make sure if you haven't seen it, get on it. Um, and if you haven't heard it, you will be hearing it soon. So look forward to Wolfie. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for coming on with us. Boys, for just a final, final last hurrah to Wolfie. Berkey? Uh, no, just uh, I've got nothing, mate. Just keep on what you're doing. We're loving what you're doing. We love seeing you, the energy that you bring, mate. And, boys, you've got to come and see the marshmallow over coat. Wolfie was saying about the who before. When, when he gets his moon on and Davey's got their Townsend going, it's just, it just adds another dynamic. It's phenomenal. So I'll have to drag you guys to the next the next Overcoat show for sure. So. Well, come to come to Macedon because we're playing the Macedon Railway Hotel in February. You already I got tickets. Oh, we're good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. See? Sunday the 28th, I think, of Feb. There, there you go. go. I think uh, Glenn's going to drive, Al, so we'll, we'll jump in with Glenn. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I'll tell you what he needs, but something bigger than that bloody Yaris thing he's got. We'll have to, uh, we're three rotund individuals. It's got to be another car. I think. <laughs> yes, right. I love my Yaris Wolfie, but it'll get, it'll get us there. It'll take a while, but it'll get us there. Oh, crap, it will. Thanks for coming on board tonight, mate. Look, you're a star, and it's it's a pleasure for us to have you on our show, mate. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, it's great to meet you, I'm Wolfie. Looking- I'm looking forward to announcing my appointment as head coach of Richmond in the next couple of weeks as well. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thanks again, mate. Thanks, everyone. See you, See you, See you, See you mate. Mate.